This episode of Let's Talk About Sex with Lynn and Jen is not intended as a substitute for seeing your own mental health provider. We are here to initiate conversations about sex. Let's keep the conversations going. You can find us on Twitter at TalkingSexPod or email us at TalkingSexPodcast at gmail.com. We also want to give special thanks to Nathan Diffie for our podcast cover art and our wonderful editor, Julia W.D. Harrison. Lynn Ponton and I, Jennifer Wong, are the executive producers. I'm Lynn Ponton of Let's Talk About Sex with Lynn and Jen, inviting you to listen to a podcast, Unmask, two therapists talking about psychological issues during the time of COVID. Please join us on in-depth conversations about COVID issues during this very challenging time. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, uh, this is Lynn of Lynn and Jen, and let's talk about sex, but specifically the unmasked track that we're all coping and struggling uh, with issues related to COVID. And today we wanted to talk about the children, specifically children going back to school and what's interfering with it. And the broader subject of really friends, how do we keep our friends, you know, what's involved with that? Uh, There's a new book out from uh, Great Britain that's really looking at the subject of friends and how important they are during this epidemic. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about this topic. I think before we get started, we were talking a little bit about how communication has changed, especially through the pandemic and using all the, you know, Zoom and Skype and FaceTime and and just laughing because even here as we're trying to do this recording, it kind of cuts in and out sometimes. But you know, it's it's important to stay connected, and so we find a way to to keep it going. And we're really friends, or I consider you a friend, Jen. Oh, absolutely, Lynn. <laughs> and we try to keep it going through the whole podcast and sharing our ideas about our work and other things. Um, Today is also the final day of the impeachment, second impeachment hearing, and that draws a lot of power Wi-Fi out of the area that I'm in. So I think that's part of what's going on today. That makes sense. Um, One of the things that I've seen with the little kids that I've worked with, and these are kids under, say, 10 years old, but even under, say, five years old, is they really, really are missing having the social contact with their friends, the face-to-face. And my little grandson, Jamie, who's getting closer to five, he's got a a real imaginary friend, Pete the Cat. And he's Pete the Cat is such a cool cat, and he's a cool friend for Jamie. But uh, Jamie's also missing out on his little friends at Busy Bee from his preschool because of the epidemic. So uh, these are hard things for kids that age to really balance and to live with. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I think friendship is one of those things that on the one hand, we talk about it being important, but there's also in terms of our actions, we don't always align with making it a priority. And I think when it comes to the pandemic, it's even more difficult because as you and I have talked about many times, like adults are dealing with their own sort of multiple aspects of having to make these adjustments and and trying to just get by on, on a day-to-day level. And I think 
sometimes these pieces, even though they're acknowledged that they're important, it, it just feels like one more thing and it can be very challenging to figure out. I mean, you know, you and I can at least talk sort of across screens like this, but, you know, five-year-olds aren't going to super want to just sit in front of a screen for and, and talk to each other, you know, and, and that's something that I've seen come up over and over again is like, they want to be with their friend, but then when they see their friend on the screen, it's not the same. They really want to be in a physical space and to be able to physically interact with each other. One of the things I think that can help moms and dads with five-year-olds and young young kids is that if the parents connect you with a friend on screen, you know, and uh, they stay with the kids instead of just leaving them, and then they can use toys like Pete the Cat, the Cool Cat, and other things to help the two kids hear again the, the actual play toys can make a big difference in this kind of thing. So that's a cueing that parents can use to make it a little bit easier, but it doesn't solve the problem for a lot of parents where they want to kind of let the kid play with their friends and then get out of the picture. They've yeah. got to be in there really fostering and supporting these very vital relationships. And that's the challenge is a lot of parents are working from home. And so they, they don't necessarily have the time to just be sitting with their child and supporting the play. And I, I think this speaks to a larger kind of social piece that you and I have addressed a lot of the time, which is, you know, the sense of community. It really takes a village to help out here. And I think the biggest thing with the pandemic is it's really interrupted some of the more natural ways that we come together as community. And so we've had to really adapt and figure out new ways to stay connected. One of the things I've seen is sort of, um, you know, those little like Lego figurines, like being able to kind of create stories back and forth with, you know, here's my Lego, here's my Lego Superman, and he's doing this and kind of creating story in that way. I mean, it's definitely not the same as sitting in a room playing Legos with someone, but it's at least, it feels a bit more interactive. And I think that's what a lot of the kids are looking for. It's one of the tricks I use in the play therapy too, Jen, with kids. Yeah, I'll use little Legos and little toys and we'll try, I'll get their toy and my toy will talk to their toy and yeah. we'll talk back and forth. And it's fun for kids. I think also grandparents can use that with kids, having their toy talk to the kid's toy and go back and forth. And these aids really help that connection. I think another thing to bring up, it goes a little bit kind of sideways from what we're talking about, but it is related is, you know, I have a lot of um, clients who are teachers of young children, and we talk about the importance of play and how sometimes play is looked at as something sort of extraneous to learning rather than as a tool for learning. And I think when we recognize that little kids playing with Legos with each other is a really important form of social learning that that maybe can help kind of shift some of our priorities so that we we don't see it as a waste. I mean, I, I guess that's what I'm trying to say is I, I've heard a lot of parents say like, I feel like my kid's wasting their time because they're just like playing their Legos or, you know, whatever toys they have. 
and and to really recognize that play is actually a huge part of how we learn and play in particular when it's with someone else is a big way that we learn about social interactions and social cues and being able to form those skills that help us uh, build those friendships that we talk about. And as you mentioned with the book, you know, the friendships are so, so important. And the best way to learn the skills isn't sitting down learning a list of like, here's how to be a good friend, but really just you know, putting it into action, practicing and learning and trying again and, you know, being able to read body language, I think is a big thing that kids learn at that age. I mean, that's so important what you're talking about and play involves physical movement, body language, really sharing parts of yourself with another person. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you. It's important for kids to play to connect, but also with my friends when I have the most fun when we're connecting at night over Zoom or something is when we're playing or making jokes about something and really enjoying ourselves and relaxing. And if we can do that with our friends and help our little kids to do that through this epidemic, we're doing great. Yeah, I mean, so so I think it, it's one of those things where being able to look at it not as a waste of time, but just sort of a, a pivot or a redirection, but that there's still learning happening and these skills are so important for life and, and just to kind of see whatever it is that you can do to add a little bit more of that or to even just make sure that you're taking it into consideration. I I think that's something that can go a really long way. And I think play goes a long way too towards our sense of mental health, where I think it can be both ways where, you know, with kind of joking and hanging out and, and bantering back and forth, that can really lift your spirits. And also I think it goes the other way around too, though, where sometimes you being the one to lift someone's spirit can help you feel better. So it, it's really a, a back and forth. And really important to develop those skills. You know, and that's what our little kids are working with and the little toys we're working with with them. You know, I was thinking about the teachers. I have a couple of clients who are teachers and they are playful people. I mean, they like to play with my toys in the office. They have a really good time with kids, a lot of them, but they're afraid right now to go back to the classroom and that fear interferes with their ability to play what you're really talking about. And they're so fearful that they are often just really thinking about the rules all the time and safety all the time and feeling like they and the kids won't be safe, really. And I think it's important to address like safety is absolutely vital here. You know, I I think that there is a push to get kids back into school for many reasons and teachers back into the classrooms. And I think it's really about being able to step back and look at the bigger picture and and say, okay, how can we do these things in a safe way? Because we understand how important this is. And at least for the clients that I'm working with that are teachers, they're not getting a lot of support in creating a safe environment. And so they're all they're really experiencing is a big push to go back to the classroom, but they're, they're feeling like their, their own voice is kind of being silenced in terms of we have to prioritize the children, but what about like these safety concerns are, are 
you know, COVID is very real and it's a, it's a real danger to a lot of people. One thing we could all do to help with that is become more involved with our schools and our school boards. And just this morning, there's a huge article about an editorial about the San Francisco school board and how everything screwed up here in San Francisco. And because they recently voted on things that aren't really relevant to the issues the kids are facing right now. But it's symbolic for the whole country that the school boards don't seem that connected with the actual kids, the teachers, the schools, and the parents. Yeah, so it's about building community kind of from the ground up instead of more of that like top-down hierarchy perspective, it sounds like, where, you know, teachers feel they're being listened to, then when parents feel they're being listened to, when kids feel they're being listened to, I think overall that creates a much healthier environment. You know, one of the hard things we have trouble, you know, when you and I, when I have a family on Zoom, last night I had a family, five members on Zoom, and I felt like I was barely hanging on, Jen, with it. And I think about those teachers, an hour before that, I talked to a teacher and she had 18 kids on Zoom and six in the classroom. She was talking about how she could barely keep going with that type of structure. She felt like she was frazzling through the whole thing. And uh, I think uh, teachers really do need support to do this stuff. Um, It's much, much harder right now. And it's not only the safety around COVID, it's giving them additional support in the classroom so they don't burn out, basically. Yeah, very much so. I mean, I I think one of the positives that's coming out of it is people are recognizing how intensive teaching really is and how many hats teachers wear. And I'm hopeful that, you know, this will open people's eyes to, to wanting to invest more into wanting to find ways that they can be more supportive of teachers and recognize that it's an investment, not just in their children, but society as a whole to invest in teachers, healthy classrooms, healthy children, and all of that. I really wish there were more ways that people who weren't raising kids could get involved with them, you know, and uh, there's such fear about things like child abuse that I think people pull back from that stuff. But there's got to be ways for people to connect with being children. And maybe part of what we're talking about, that play and contacting your friends and having that connection, it brings you back to being a child and what it's really like for children now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the most important pieces that I highlight all the time when I'm working with children is to to take them seriously, to show them that you're really listening. It doesn't mean that they're always right, you know, but that when you when you give people your attention in that way, it builds a really strong bond. And I think the the best way to know, you know, how to support people in a certain situation is to listen to the people sharing about what their challenges are and what matters to them and where do they think that they can be supported. Because I think a lot of the time there can be this sense of sort of a, a distant observation and, and saying like, I think this is what's going to help. Let's create 
these systems or let's create these structures. And I think that can definitely be helpful, but I hear so many teachers crying out for allowing children to have more time to play, for changing the way that, you know, we engage with homework so that children have time after school to have free time, not just scheduled activities, but time to just like hang out together, you know, and obviously a lot of this is changing with the pandemic. But I I think even before the pandemic, a lot of these ideas were not widely accepted. And I think if we can learn anything from this, it's to really listen to the children, listen to the teachers, listen to the people who are kind of on the ground level and see how we can work together to build stronger communities that support everybody. You know, what you bring up, these tools uh, really that help kids learn involve play. And to go back to, I've spent a couple of hours online looking for tools to inspire learning in kids right now. Yeah. And with the little grandson, uh, I found these special tools, the Pete the Cat tools, to make curiosity, kind of inspire play and make learning fun. Yeah. And those are really, really great. But what I did notice is that there really aren't a lot of tools out there. There's a lot of tools to help kids with special needs, but to help normal kids with play and kids who are doing really well in school, there really are not a lot of things. Mm. And uh, I think it's maybe because we've stripped everything down. We've just got to get the kids through at a basic level. But it really makes me wonder you know, about what's happening with making minds, helping kids be more curious, ask questions, enjoy play. That seems something we've really sacrificed during during this period. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we've talked about this in other aspects, but I think it applies here too, where when people are stressed out, they tend to go in different directions. And one of the directions that I see people going is towards more structure and rigidity, and then I see some people who are just kind of more scattered and, and uh, needing to move around and, and can't sit still as long. And, and I think this creates a lot of conflict. And I think school, um, at least my experiences and the ones that my clients have shared with me, has long been a lot more structured and has become more structured as things like PE and art classes are kind of stripped away. And I, I think There's also been a turn, though, where people are understanding that it really is more of like an integration experience where, you know, having PE allows you to kind of move around, which allows you to sit longer and, you know, but and like that art opens up your creative thinking because there's no right answers and Therefore, that kind of comes out when you're writing a story in English class or when you're making a presentation. And so I I think if we can really see, I think what is so important about play is that play is an integrative experience. So you are learning about things, but you're doing it in a way that doesn't put a lot of pressure on you. And so it really allows people to just be very present. And I think fundamentally... That is one of the biggest skills that people can take away is that when you're present with people, those connections happen much more naturally and that they don't have to be so planned out. One of the great things about play 
is that it involves often getting into the flow of an activity and being part of it. You're going to go right in differently, brain waves active. So uh, it makes me think about how important play is, even for all of us sitting at the Zoom and doing our work over Zoom. And I try to balance play activities for myself. I use like yoga play and take walks and then I'm reading novels and not for long times, but just little times to really help keep my thinking different and keep myself active for the work. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm doing something different, but it's also playful for me where I'm, I'm kind of looking up old songs that I used to really like dancing to and being able to dance to just like silly songs that make my head kind of bop around, you know, and I, I think that really brings up my spirits. I like, I like your idea of the silly too. And I think we've also, all of us, got to know what really helps ourselves and keeps us involved in things. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a, a big part tying this back to the friendship piece is that, like, I think friendships build very naturally when we allow ourselves to be more open, when we're, we allow ourselves to be more accessible, especially emotionally with people. And I think being able to be in a playful spirit is one of the best ways to to build that initially because it 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 fosters a joyful connection that you want to maintain and in doing that i think it creates space for the harder times too where you're able to really feel like you have already been open with this person and so you really want to build a deeper connection with them and i think sometimes the deeper connections come from sharing about the things that are more challenging in our lives but it's actually the the play that makes the cement that kind of gets it all going and glues us together with it yeah exactly yeah we're having a lot of trouble connecting today this is not this is this a is not typical internet. yeah yeah, it's not. So I'm hopeful that uh, our sound editor is going to be able to work it out a bit, Jen. But I think probably we should stop the discussion, but encourage everybody out there to try to keep connecting and to engaging in play and stuff. I think that's a good idea. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. It's been really fun, Lynn. <laughs> it has been. We've been trying hard. Take care. <laughs> Come on. Let's talk about